Welcome to King's Arms Online. Today, whether you're watching from Facebook, from Church Online, or on demand in the week, it's great to be together. My name is Sue, and I'm hosting with my friend Yvonne today. Uh, I'm just back from a few days uh, on leave, and uh, I have missed being around the studio. I've missed being uh, Church Online, interacting with you, chatting with you in the comments, and so I'm loving being back. And uh, I was reflecting on this week and thinking, what am I thankful for? And I am so thankful for the incredible team that we have here at church, the team working behind the scenes tirelessly to bring church to you in this way on a Sunday. But also I'm very thankful for the oceans. And uh, I had the joy of spending some time at the beach and splashing a while around in the waves, which in this weather has been such a delight. Uh, what about you, Yvonne? What are you thankful for today? To be honest, this week I've been really thankful for ice lollies oh. and air conditioning. Yes, the ice lollies. What's your favourite? Fruit pastels. Mm, nice, a nice fruity, <laughs> fruity ice lolly. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, today is the day where we unveil the challenge of the month uh, and you've been busy, hopefully out and about with your masks. And we just thought it'd be a great way to kind of see uh, what you're looking like as you are celebrating wearing your masks. I don't know if you can still hear me but um, I'm getting used to it in the shops and as I'm out and about. So let's take a look at uh, our family as we celebrate this moment. It's amazing to see all the people smiles through their eyes. Brilliant pictures. Thank you for those that send them through. Just a reminder, next week is bank holiday, so we're not having an online service, but please use that opportunity to rest. We are going to talk more about that later on. And just before we go into worship, I would like us to take a moment and just listen to the words as we worship, listen to the words as we are singing and allow the Lord to minister to you through them. Allow the Lord to speak to you through the words. And I'm just gonna pray for us now. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, that you love to encounter us in whatever way. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to heal our minds restore our hearts, align our souls, God. Yeah. I thank you, Lord, for freedom. I thank you, Lord, for breakthrough. I give you glory and honor. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together. There is no shadow ever overcome your light there is no rival that could ever stand against your might you've always been with us every battle you've already won you've already won and there is no weapon ever left a mark on you there is no army with the power to conquer truth you've always been with us every battle you've already won you've already won show me one thing he can't do Show me mountain he can't move. He's the God of the breakthrough, and anything is possible. Oh, 
Shake off despair as I sing out your name. Have victory dance. I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. All of my fears I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance. I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. And all of my fears I will turn. As I sing out your name, a victory dance. I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment. Oh, show me one thing he can do. Show me mountain he can move. He's the God of the breakthrough. And anything is Savior's robe as he walked into the room where people pray, where we hear praises, he is faith.
is a sound that changes things the sound of his people on their knees awake up you Ah, 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 ah. 
say it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even if I don't say it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when thank you that you are faithful. Father, we thank you that no circumstance is beyond your faithfulness, that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. And today we've just focused on the character of God. We've focused on uh, the reality of his faithfulness and his kindness towards us. And Gus led us in a song where he referred to Jesus as Yeshua. And Yeshua is a a term that was used in the Arabic language, uh, referring to the fact that he was a deliverer, that he was a saviour. And that is the reality for us today. Jesus is our deliverer. He is our saviour. And I just want us to pause in this moment. I feel that for many of us, there are moments where we just need to know that breakthrough. We need to know fresh hope again and fresh life again into our circumstances. And so what I want us to do today is to just put our hands out in front of us and to picture putting into our hands maybe situations that feel hopeless, situations that we're maybe wondering, can God break through in this? And I want us to just pause in this moment and choose in our minds to hand those things over to Jesus and to allow the truths of what we've been singing today, the truths that he is our deliverer, he is our rescuer, to break into our lives. That hope will be stirred up in our hearts afresh. So if that resonates with you, why don't you just do that? Hand those things over to Jesus right now. And Father, I pray that as we give you these things, would we know that exchange going on in our hearts where maybe hopelessness has come in, that we would know hope restored, that we would know joy, again, the joy of our salvation that changes everything. We don't want to rush on in a meeting, but we just want to pause in this moment and say, Jesus, our deliverer, the way maker, the one who makes a way, would you break in to these circumstances right now? Jesus, we just ask, would you break in? Break in. Thank you, Father. Well, it's brilliant to be together today. I hope that you encountered Jesus in that time of worship. I know I was moved just as I remembered afresh the reality of who Jesus is. 
And uh, if you miss the beginning of the meeting, my name's Sue, and I'm hosting today with my friend Devon. And it's just great to have you with us. If it is your first time, we uh, run a Zoom meeting after the, the session today. If you'd like to chat to one of the team, get to know people a bit more. And the details of that Zoom link would be in the chat that you can connect through there. It's a, just a great opportunity to connect uh, in this weird season where we're not face-to-face -face in the same way. So please take a moment to do that after the meeting. And another great way to keep connected to your family church is our group walks. We are continuing our walks in the park. And today at 3 p.m., if you're anywhere near Great Denham, Mosby Park, or... Priory <laughs> Marina. <laughs> you stayed. Oh, Priory Marina. Um, come and join us and enjoy this walk. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant if you remember where you're going. <laughs> So great denim, Mosey Park and Priory Marina. Oh my God, okay. As you can see, all the details are on screen. I'll try and remember where I'm going. <laughs> see you there. I'm expecting a text. I'm lost somewhere in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may have noticed over the summer, we've been trying to be a bit more interactive, um, try a few things. And uh, so today we just wanted to take a bit of a pause, create opportunity for you and your homes to have a little discussion. And as I was reflecting, I was thinking, you know, the question I've been asked most in this season has been, what am I doing with all the extra time I've got? Am I enjoying spending more time with Jesus in the quietness? And if I'm honest, it, it's been quite a challenging question to answer because actually for me, the season has been quite busy. And I've chatted to a number of friends who have said similar things. They're like, I don't know where all this time has gone. Work for them has got busier. And so I'm very aware for some people, they've got more time on their hands through the season. For others, they've got kids running around at home or work has increased. And, you know, in the midst of it all, I was just thinking how important it is for us to learn how to live from a place of rest and replenishment in Jesus. And so it kind of just got me thinking about the importance of how we're doing in recharging our batteries uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually in our relationships. And uh, so I thought it'd be a great topic for us to talk about this week, especially as we head into the bank holiday next weekend. And so I was just, I've texted a number of friends kind of saying, what do you do to replenish? What do you do to refresh? And it's been really fun hearing the different responses that people have. From one friend saying she loves going for a walk with her cute puppy. I've seen the photos. It's a very cute puppy. Uh, another friend has bought a stand-up paddleboard. I don't know if you ever tried that, Yvonne. Not yet. <laughs> I just know I would fall flat on my face before I even tried to stand up. <laughs> But I love that others are saying they just love grabbing those still moments in the morning just to reflect on what God's speaking to them about, to reflect on what he wants mm. to do in the coming day. Uh, for others, uh, it looks like going for walks in nature. And, you know, I was reflecting, actually, for me in this season, it's been different to what it has in previous seasons, where previously, for me, often it would be walking on my own in nature, just hearing God's voice in the stillness of the trees mm. and the surroundings around me. But actually something about this season where I've been almost more locked down and seeing less people, I've actually really found replenishment from chatting with friends about what God is speaking to them about. And there's something in that conversation that just helps me solidify, this is what God's saying to me about. Um, I wonder what it looks like for you. I wonder what are the ways that uh, God speaks to you, what ways you get refreshed in. So I want to just pause the meeting for three minutes. We're going to have the countdown come up. And I want to ask you two questions to discuss in your homes. Firstly, what uh, do you do to replenish? What do you do to kind of restore, to get revitalised, to, to get fullness of life? And secondly, with the bank holiday coming up, what are you going to do about that? Because, you know, there's an intentionality that comes, isn't there, in helping us walk through that. And, you know, I've been reflecting on life and we're in this for a marathon. It's not a sprint, is it? And so I want to be able to kind of keep going for the long haul. So we're going to whip the counter up on the screen in a minute and uh, ask those two questions. What do you do to refresh and replenish? And secondly, what are you going to do this bank holiday to make the most of the opportunity to recharge?
Well, I hope you enjoyed taking time to chat with those in your household or if you're on your own, commenting in the, the chats uh, on screen with others that are joining us. Yvonne, I wonder, what, what were your responses? I'm going to take time on my own. I'm reading a book. Um, I love spending quality time alone worshipping with God. That really recharges yeah. me. Uh, I'm reading a book called Leading, Quietly Leading. It is helping me to work out the best way to lead myself as an introverted person. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Over the summer, we've been learning on the power of sharing our stories. And today we have somebody who's going to share their story. I love how encouraging it is to hear how somebody has walked their journey with Jesus and how it has transformed them into the person they are now. Let's watch the video together. I was born into a Hindu family who worshiped idols. My first memory from my childhood is when I was about five years old. I remember being told I was too tall, I was the wrong gender, too dark, my voice was too deep. I hated my childhood, especially my teenage years. My family made me feel worthless. I was longing to be loved. My self-esteem and my self-worth was non-existent. And then as I approached the marriage age, I became increasingly anxious and depressed. I've always longed to be loved and the thought marriage would fill that void. So I had an arranged marriage to someone who wanted to come to the UK to live. However, two weeks into the marriage, he started to abuse me. The abuse got worse as the years went on, and I suffered from depression and became addicted to prescription drugs, and I regularly overdosed. I had three children from the marriage, the only good thing that came out of it, really. I finally got the courage to leave the marriage after 23 years, which I did in February 2015. A year or so before that, my sister and sister-in-law, who are both Christians, would talk to me about Jesus. They would tell me how good Jesus is and how I could receive him. I would often in secret cry out to Jesus and ask him if he was real. I would ask him why he wasn't helping me. Then about a year later, on the 13th of January, 2015, I believed and I gave my life to Jesus. I told my husband about my conversion and he was enraged and he forbid me to go to church. That's when I planned the escape. So one day I just turned up at King's Arms. PJ and Sandra Saunders were there and they made me feel so welcome and showed me around. PJ invited me to the Sunday service and later introduced me to Darlene Cons, who's been a dear friend ever since. My parents disowned me after this as I brought shame onto the family. And shortly after that, I became homeless. The next day, PJ contacted me and told me that the church would pay for a B&B and for me not to worry. Something inside of me had changed after I gave my life to Jesus. I had a new boldness and a strange strength. I can't even remember how or when I stopped taking the drugs. I did an alpha course and began hanging out with Steve Wilson and did evangelizing on the streets with him. All this time I was homeless and staying at the B&B. And during this time, unknown people from the church came up to me and gave me money. They said that God told them to. God has done wonderful things in my life ever since. I now know my identity is in Christ Jesus and that no matter what I look like, it's by God's plan. He created me exactly how he wanted me. I can now see that he's always been there with me. And I have a conviction to help the abused women and the homeless. Even my weaknesses are designed for a purpose, to become a platform for God to work through. God has used my weaknesses to become my strength. God is transforming me and I now know who I am and to whom I belong. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love hearing stories of what Jesus has done in people's lives. It's, it's just amazing. What I, I love is that every story is unique and every story is different, but every story just shouts out the goodness of God in people's lives. I wonder whether you've had the opportunity to practice your story, to try the three minutes just beyond that first week we looked at it. I'd, I'd love to encourage you to take time this week to think about who can you share your story with. It's just amazing. Well, this is an opportunity for us to give in to all that the Lord's doing here. Uh, if you'd like to uh, give in to what God's doing, you can click on the donate button now or go to kingsarms.org forward slash donate. You know, we're so thankful for the incredible generosity of you as our community and the way you're enabling all that God's calling us to do. I just, I've just loved hearing stories of what God's doing across the world through the, the generosity that you've given. So thank you so much for partnering with us in that way. And the last of our Meals with Jesus series, The Amazing Feel With You, 
I must say he's a gift to us all at King's House. Yeah. I can't wait to hear this preach. Well, welcome. Today we are finishing our summer series called Eating with Jesus, where we've been exploring different and famous meal times in the Gospel of Luke. And I found the best way to listen to this series is with a Bible in one hand and a biscuit in the other. So sit back and open your Bible and we're going to dive into what we know as the Last Supper in Luke chapter 22. So why don't you turn there on your Bibles. And today as we look at the Last Supper, we are going to be asking four questions. If it was your last supper on the earth, who would you invite? What would you, where would you eat? What would you eat? And what would be on your mealtime playlist? So we're going to ask those four questions of Jesus' last supper. Who would you invite? Where would you eat? What would you eat? And what would be on your mealtime playlist? So we're going to read from Luke chapter 22 and we'll start in verse 1. Now the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. So point number one, who would you invite to your last supper on earth? Well, Jesus invites Judas. Judas, who is obviously an incredibly tragic figure in the life of the gospel accounts. And what we find here is that the chief priests and the religious leaders, they are looking for a way to arrest Jesus and to kill him, to dispose of him. They are scared of Jesus. Here's a, a young rabbi who's got an increasingly uh, a fanatical following. Whole towns and villages are emptying to hear this carpenter from Nazareth. And not only that, when this young rabbi Jesus teaches, he teaches as one with authority. Blind people are reporting seeing for the first time. Lame people are walking those with leprosy are being cleansed. Messianic miracles are starting to happen in the life of Jesus and he is the flavour of the moment and the Pharisees feel threatened by this and so they're looking for a way to arrest Jesus and have him killed. And enter Judas who offers to them to find an opportunity to get Jesus. Perfect. And what's interesting about Judas is that Judas, far from being the most obvious candidate to betray Jesus, he was actually just one of the team. In fact, in John's Gospel, when it recounts the Last Supper, it says that Jesus told all of his 12 disciples as they were gathered around the table that one of them would betray him. And it says that none of them had a clue as to who that was. They were all looking around the table saying, is it you? It's not me, is it you? It's not me. Like they had no clue who it was that was likely to betray Jesus on this particular evening. We know as well about Judas is that he was probably one of the more trusted members of Jesus in a circle because he was the guy that looked after the money. Like he had charge of the money, money strings, probably not because he was the best counter, but because he was good in a fight. Literally, Judas Iscariot, his surname, Iscariot comes from a, a known zealot community that were very, very anti-Roman, very anti-establishment. They were known terrorists in the region. It's likely that Judas used to be a terrorist. And so he probably was given the money because he was trusted to be good with his fists. He was a trusted member of the team. Even more so, we know that at mealtimes in the first century, the position at the meal table is very important. And the most important positions were reserved to the right and the left of the rabbi, the key leader that was in the room. They would sit at the right hand and the left hand. Well, we know that John, the disciple Jesus loved, sat at his right hand. But we also read that at the Last Supper, Jesus dips his bread and passes it to Judas. Many theologians reckon this is because Judas was sitting right next to Jesus around the meal table. In other words, he was right in the inner circle. He was a trusted member of Jesus', Jesus team. And isn't it amazing that you can be in Jesus' team and do all the same miracles that everyone else is doing, attend all the same events that everyone else is attending, and seemingly believe all the same things that everyone else in the team believes, and yet your heart can be in a completely different place. And yet Jesus knew. And what we know from Scripture is that 
God doesn't look at things the way that we look at things. We tend to look at outward appearances. We look at how people are doing on the outside. Are people complying? Do they look like they're happy, buzzy Christians? But actually, Scripture says that God looks at the heart. He looks at what's going on in the inside. And as someone once said, character is who you are when no one else is looking. And for Judas, there was a whole other story going on on the inside of him. On the outside, trusted team member. On the inside, traitor, betrayer. One who had given in to the temptation of greed and lust for power. He's a tragic figure. And the question for you and I in this season is, in this strange old season that we're in, what is it showing you about your own heart? When you're away from the crowds and you're away from the noise and you're just having to live life with you and Jesus and keep your own fire alive, what actually is going on when no one else is looking? How is your character? Who are you in the dark? What does Jesus see when he looks on the inside? You know, and I think in this season, one of the things that's going on is that God is almost allowing a pause moment so that we can rediscover and reconnect our genuine faith to Jesus without all the other trappings of life. You know, it's a sad fact right now that things like domestic violence are on the rise in our nation. Why? Because the aggression and the anger and the dysfunctionality that was always there, suddenly it can't be masked by going to work or going to the pub or going to watch football. Suddenly the anger that was in there is now erupting because who we are is who we are in the dark, in secret. So how are you doing? How is your heart in this season? You know, how are you, for example, with online church, the brave new world of online church? How are you getting on with that? You know, I'll be honest, I'm not always a massive fan. I love some of it. And sometimes I'm just like, just please get me back in a room with other people. But here's the question. You know, how are you keeping your fire alive? How are you keeping your heart engaged? What choices are you making? You know, as that famous song says, when the music fades, and all is stripped away. We've sung that song over the years, but perhaps now we're coming face to face with the reality of that song. Actually, when all the other stuff is stripped away and it's me walking with Jesus, how am I doing? How's my heart? Am I keeping my fire alive? Am I doing the simple things well and spending time with Jesus every day and opening up the word of God and living a life of worship? How am I doing on those things? What kind of worship choices are you making? For Judas, he made a very powerful choice and it was a wrong choice. Let's make some powerful choices in this season. So secondly, where would you eat? Let's carry on with the story. Verse 7 of Luke 22. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Well, where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make your preparations there. This is a crazy way to choose your last supper meal venue. <laughs> Jesus sends two of his disciples to look for some prophetic clues as to where they're going to eat together for this very, very last supper. And I don't know if you've ever wondered, why did Jesus do it this way? Why did he ask them to find this secret location? Well, remember what's just happened. Judas has offered to find a time and a place in secret for the chief priests and the Pharisees to arrest Jesus and kill him. Because right now they're in a city of Jerusalem where they're celebrating the Passover. And we know that Jerusalem probably had a standing population of about 30,000 people. But in Passover, an extra 100,000 people would just descend on the city of Jerusalem. It was packed full of people and everyone was making their private preparations where they were going to celebrate the Passover. And what the Pharisees were looking for was a private dinner venue where they could show up and arrest Jesus away from the crowds so that they would avoid any confrontation. And yet Judas can't do that because he doesn't know where they're having dinner. He can't take them to the room because even he doesn't know. He turns up at the end of the day with the rest of the disciples at this mysterious house that this owner opens up to them. Judas will have to wait until the Garden of Gethsemane to give the time and the place for Jesus' arrest. And for me, this is just a reminder that Jesus, even in this moment, is in absolute charge. 
He is the man with authority. He's not just an unwilling victim being led to his death. He is a willing saviour. He himself is determining the time and the place in which he will be arrested, betrayed and finally crucified. Jesus is in charge. But this is what we read in John chapter 10, verse 17. The reason my father loves me, says Jesus, is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. That's amazing. You know, Jesus is not just a victim to circumstance. He knows the Father's plan. He's following the blueprint and he is calling the shots. He is utterly, utterly in charge. And what Jesus knows is that in the same way that Adam and Eve betrayed God in the garden, the original garden, the Garden of Eden, so Jesus will also be betrayed in a garden. And yet this time he will undo Adam's curse. He will break Satan's hold and he will usher in reconciliation for the world. He knows the plan and he's sticking to it. And so today, just remember, whatever your circumstances, you have a God who has all authority in heaven and on earth. He has a perfect plan, a perfect blueprint. Stick with him and you'll be okay. Third question about the Last Supper is this, what would you eat at your very Last Supper and why? What would you eat? Well, in verse 13, we read this. They left and found things just as Jesus told them. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. They didn't sit at seats, they reclined. They lay down like the Romans. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. What would you eat at your very last supper, your last meal? Lasagna, fish and chips, nice curry. You know, I asked one of my children who will remain nameless. Hi, Lauren. And she said that her very last meal, she could choose anything to eat. It would be nuggets and waffles. I'm sorry, but that's just wrong on so many levels. Nuggets and waffles for your very last meal. Well, what we know about Jesus is actually the things that he probably likely would have eaten at his meal. Um, Some Italian archaeologists have recently discovered what people would have eaten at a traditional Passover meal. And those things would have included a bean stew, some lamb, some olives, some bitter herbs, some fish sauce, some unleavened bread, some dates and some wine. This is what Jesus had for his last supper at this last Passover meal. And of course, Passover, if you were a Jew was an incredibly, incredibly significant moment of celebration. It was a moment of remembrance as a nation, uh, remembering a moment when God literally had delivered the nation of Israel out of Egyptian slavery and brought them into the promised land. And many of you will be very familiar with the story you can read about in Exodus, where under Moses' leadership, God rescues millions of his people, the Israelites, from Egyptian captivity and brings them out by his power, by his hand. And as the story goes, the very first Passover, God comes to the Israelites and says, listen, your deliverance is about to come, it's at hand. But here's what I want you to do on this night. I want you to sacrifice a lamb and I want you to smear the blood on the doorposts of your homes. And this night, when the angel of death passes through Egypt, it will see the blood of the lamb on your doorposts and it will pass over you. Death will pass over you and you will be delivered by the blood of the lamb. And so all the Israelites gather together, they sacrifice a lamb on that first Passover night and they smear it on the doorposts. And that night, the angel of death passes over their homes and their families and they wake up the next morning and Pharaoh lets them go. They were literally delivered by the blood of the lamb, the body of the lamb. One sacrifice caused them to pass over from death into life, from slavery into the promises. And so Jesus, as he's celebrating the Passover, they are remembering this historical event. In fact, that very day in Jerusalem, in the temple, lambs would have been slaughtered, blood would have poured in the temple that very day, remembering the deliverance of God from slavery. And it's in that context that Jesus places himself right at the heart of this story. Verse 19, we read this. Jesus took bread, He gave thanks and broke it 
and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Do you see what Jesus is doing in this moment? He's taking a very familiar celebration, a historic celebration. And he's saying, today I am writing a new covenant and you will be delivered by the blood of the lamb, me. My, by my body, by my blood, death is gonna pass over you. There is gonna be a new exodus, not this time from physical slavery, but from spiritual slavery. Through me, through this lamb, you are gonna be delivered from spiritual death and you're gonna be brought into spiritual life. This is a new covenant, a new Passover, and I am the lamb through my body and through my blood, you will be delivered and millions and millions after you. He's rewriting the Exodus story and he's placing himself right at the heart of it. From now on, when we celebrate Passover, we are not just celebrating what happened in the book of Exodus, we are celebrating what happens at the cross of Jesus Christ, who is the epicenter of history. By his blood, we are made free. This is what's happening at Jesus' Last Supper. And that's why in the New Testament, there are two ways that you show that you belong to Jesus. Number one, you take communion. And number two, you get baptised. Actually, in scripture, there is no, if you want to become a Christian, stick your hand up in a meeting or join a chat room. That's actually not the way people showed their allegiance to Jesus. The way they showed their allegiance was they took communion together and they got baptised as believers. And today, if you are watching this and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, can I urge you to take your very first communion in your home or with some friends that you know are believers? Make your decision to follow Jesus. Make this your first act to celebrate the Passover, your Passover from death to life through Jesus. And then let us know if you've made that decision and then we would love to baptise you as a believer of Jesus. And then lastly, at your last supper, what would be on your playlist? What music would you play at your very last meal on earth? Well, what's interesting is that we know exactly what would have been on Jesus' playlist. We know exactly the songs that he would have sung at this meal that he shared with his disciples. And that's because at every Passover, if you were a Jew, you would sing Psalms 113 to 118 through the Passover meal. This is what you would sing. And at the end of the meal, particularly, you'd focus on the latter half of those Psalms. Mark 14 verse 26 just says this to us. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Just one line says, when they'd sung a hymn after the Last Supper, they went to the Mount of Olives. Well, what are the hymns that Jesus would have sung immediately before his betrayal and crucifixion? Well, let me read you the lyrics of some of the things that Jesus would have sung with his disciples before his crucifixion. Psalm 116, verse one. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy because he bends down to listen I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its robes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow, but then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is. How good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, but he saved me. This is what Jesus would have sung. Psalm 118, verse 22. Again, Jesus is singing this before his own death. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it's wonderful to see. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please, Lord, please save us. Please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. This was Jesus' songbook on the night that he was betrayed. The stone the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This was Jesus' last supper. And can I encourage us this week, in our homes, in our families, with our friends, can I encourage you to open your Bible and read Psalm 118 and celebrate our new Passover 
Take some bread and break it together. Take some juice or some wine and drink it together. And remember that by the blood of the lamb, you and I have been delivered. This was Jesus' last supper. What a great message. I would like to encourage you this week to take some time and take communion in your, in your homes. You might be alone like me, but just take communion anyway because the Holy Spirit and Jesus are there with you. Or you might be with a larger group of people. Take communion and celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. Yeah. It may be that for you this is a new message and you've never taken communion before. You've, you've been wondering, who is this Jesus? And I'd, I'd love to give you the opportunity if you want to respond to Jesus today. You can do that. There's a button that you can click to say you want to respond to Christ. And one of the team would love to chat with you. Maybe this week you can take communion for the first time as you celebrate what Jesus has done for you at the cross. Uh, please do email us in. Let us know if that is the case. And we'd love to talk to you about getting baptised and the next steps for you as you follow Christ. Uh, that's us for today. It's been brilliant to be together, hasn't it? Yes, it uh, has. Just a reminder, you can ask for prayer from any of the online hosts. Take the opportunity now just to click the prayer button. They'd love to support you, pray for you, help you in anything that Jesus is speaking to you about today. And just a quick reminder as we sign off, no online church next week. So don't come looking for us, but have an amazing few weeks. Take the opportunity to rest, replenish, and we'll look forward to being back together again in September. I feel like the okay. outtake should actually just be Josh eating sweets. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, so the next one. Brill. Okay. Well done. Brilliant. Brill. Amazing. <laughs> That's brilliant. Okay? Yeah. Brill. And pause. <laughs> I was ready to go and then I changed my mind. <laughs> it's because I say brilliant all the time and I was just thinking of a different word. That was why. Amazing. Honestly, this week I've been really thankful for the ice lollies and air conditioning. Mm -hmm. And for our preach this week, we have the amazing Phil with you. I must say he's a gift to us all. He's got his slot on the meals with Jesus. Okay. 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 I think that the words, the words, the words, the words, the words, the words.